welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined this week by Joe Masato. Joe, thank you very much for coming to Stone Cloud here and joining me. I, uh, I've been wanting to do this for a very <laughs> long time. It's, it's my honor, and uh, let's have some fun. Well, uh, for all the regular uh, listeners and viewers, Jacob is out this week. He'll be back. Everything's fine. He says it's a health issue. I'm pretty sure he's just preparing himself mentally and emotionally yeah. for the Rangers game seven tonight against the Astros. He's extremely nervous. He, he doesn't is. want anything else to sort of get in the way of his thoughts right now. So. Exactly. Yeah, he's um, got to prepare. Big game. Fairly certain. <laughs> that's uh, he, he might be on his way to Houston right now for the game. I have no idea. All right, Joe. Well, as always, we begin this uh, discussing what we're drinking here from Stone Cloud. This is your first time at this Stone Cloud. Have you been to the other Stone Cloud in Oklahoma City before? I, I've actually not been to their tap room. Yeah. But uh, another plug for Stone Cloud. When, when I got married last year, we had all Stone Cloud beers. So Ooh, I'm a big nice. Stone Cloud guy. I am drinking the Fest beer. Very nice. Tis the season. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very tasty. Good deal. I went with the Sunshine Saison. In honor of Jacob not being here, he's a big fan of Saison's. That's nice and, of you. Good right. beat partner. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll probably be, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've got uh, him trying to uh, reach out to me right now, trying to make sure I get him some yes. before, I, before I leave to take it back with him. Uh, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the Oklahoma State Cowboys newsletter at Oklahoma.com. we got some interesting stuff. Jacob will be helping me out with that this week. We will talk about some uh, unheralded players uh, that have been really key to, uh, to this turnaround. Uh, remind you, if you're watching on YouTube, go into the comments and drop your prediction for Oklahoma State Cincinnati, where you can win a beer that we will drink for you on the next show. Uh, this week's winner, three weeks in a row for Go Pokes 1983. Wow. A three-time winner. He had Oklahoma State winning 34-24, uh, which was the closest of the predictions in the comments this week. So, well done. So this is for Go Pokes 1983. All right, Joe. We, had, uh, we got a lot to a uh, lot to get into. Um, this was your your first Mike Gundy yeah. uh, press conference. So, it, 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 like the, the weekly press conference, the Monday press conference. You've been to some post games, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just just before we get into go back into last week's game and and look ahead to Cincinnati. Your thoughts on today with with Mike Gundy? Uh, very entertaining. Yes. Um, you know, as you're certainly used to with Mike Gundy's uh, Monday press conferences. Uh, first one for me, I, uh, you, know, you know, Mike, as everyone knows, is very entertaining, but you can also learn some things, and he's oh, yeah. pretty open with what he says and everything like that. I would say the theme of the day, um, as expected, was Ollie Gordon. Absolutely. Uh, tons of uh, questions about Ollie Gordon. Um, we, we asked a couple, you know, finding out more about, you know, not only what he does on the field, but kind of his personality off the field. and. Um, you know, he's put together three just extremely impressive games, and uh, Mike talked a lot about that today. Yeah, yeah, he did, and, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get into to some of the details of the game. Yeah. I, I was flying solo in West Virginia, didn't get a chance to do a post-game podcast for our, our regular listeners. I apologize for that, but we'll get into some of those details here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, back to your initial point about Gundy, it's, it's always entertaining. It's, it, you never know what direction things are going to go. He's not just this stiff robot with yeah. a, like a suit and ascot standing at the microphone uh just just regurgitating coach speak right. he'll uh, he'll he he'll go to his fair share of coach speak from time to time but he delivers it in an entertaining way and he takes things in in completely unexpected directions mm-hmm. um he didn't get too crazy with uh, you know sometimes he gets out from behind the microphone starts demonstrating things and doing different stuff like that you didn't get to see any of that really today 
I'm going to uh, have to come back, though. Oh, I'm absolutely. I'm going to have to come back. There, there's always something. And um, I thought one of the funniest parts of today is he's sort of walking off. Uh, Garen Emig asked him a question about uh, kind of about Bedlam or Bedlam looming uh, in two weeks. And Gundy, I, I don't even want to say pretended, but seemed to actually not know that the uh, Cowboys and Sooners will play <laughs> a week from Saturday. Uh, he was he was like, I thought we were going to UCF, but no, he had to be reminded that Bedlam is in, indeed a week from Saturday. And uh, again, like, I don't know if it's just talk, but I genuinely believed Mike Gundy. He seems like he is just focused on what is in front of him. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, listen, it's it's well known that Mike Gundy is not afraid of lying to the yeah. media. But this did not feel like one of no. those moments. I, he I, seemed I surprised. Yeah, he, he genuinely <laughs> seemed to, to, to feel that way. So, very interesting stuff. As you mentioned, Ollie Gordon was, of course, the story of the game and of today's press conference. Gundy revealed some, some interesting things. There's a, a, a little short um, chat that he has with some of the reporters, not the entire group. No video cameras there. He talked to us afterwards and discuss some of the things that they've taken out of the offense. The run pass option has yeah. really been reduced in, in, in what they're doing now. And he said that, that that does a couple of things. For one, rather than Ollie going, say he's lined up to the left of Alan Bowman, he's coming across to the right for the, for the potential handoff or fake handoff while Bowman is reading the defense. Instead of coming across, he's going directly at the line of scrimmage and He's a downhill runner, yeah. much more effective when he's just taking off and getting upfield. So yeah. that's an important fact. And also, it takes out the read part for mm -hmm. Alan Bowman, which it's not, a, that's not, it's not that Bowman struggles with the read, but it's one more thing that he has to think about, and it delays the play that much longer. Mm -hmm. So it's that, you know, that little amount of time less that Gordon is getting going toward the line of scrimmage, getting up to full speed. And that seems to really benefit this offense because of the way that he runs. There were so many plays on, on Saturday where he's going straight at the line of scrimmage, yeah. going right up the middle, and then he makes, uh, makes somebody miss, makes a cut, gets outside. I was most fascinated by his first touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. It was a 16-yard run. He gets up the middle, gains a few yards, and then does almost a 90-degree angle out to the boundary and gets yeah. around the corner for the touchdown. His, his vision and his elusiveness are two things that we've really learned about this guy, particularly when he gets past the first level. Uh, I, I know you got to see a, a decent bit of, of his damage. Um, you know, that fourth quarter was, uh, was I, I, it's, I, it's one of the most impressive yeah. single quarters from a player that, uh, that, I've, that I've ever seen. Yeah, he just, you, you sort of sit back and just marvel at, at what he does and sort of what he's become as a runner, and I think it's a really good point, kind of you talking about how, you know, they're using him maybe in different ways. They want him to get downhill. He's a big physical back. Um, but as Mike Gundy said, and you just said now, he's showing to be more elusive than maybe we, we thought he yep. was. Um, another key of today was Mike Gundy talking about, you know, OSU taking, you know, I think he said like 30% out of the playbook and simplifying things. So right. they're, they're not only simplifying things offensively, but they're catering to kind of what their per personnel does best. Right. And they have really seemed to, to find something. And, you know, maybe it's not, not the most, uh, you know, confusing attack, but man, it's been hard to defend just with how physical they've been playing. 
um, the improvements they've made up front with the offensive line. Uh, Gundy said today that you know he's even surprised himself where they've come here in the last few weeks um, after struggling earlier this season. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. I've never seen an in-season turnaround like this from from mm-hmm. a team really at, at at any level. I mean, Jacob and I were sitting here on the show after the Iowa State game trying to decipher how this team was even going to get to six wins yeah. and, and, and go to a bowl game. And now, three weeks later, they're one win away from that mark, and, and they've got some of their easiest games still left on the schedule. So it's really yeah. kind of mind-blowing where they've uh, – I mean, I was – listen, I was already looking at, like – a, a trip after Christmas because I'm like I'm gonna have all this free time in December. You're gonna have to work a little more. Now. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's an extra 15 practices and, yeah. a, and a game to cover. Uh, yeah, I, I I keep going back to that Iowa State game because I remember looking at it like, man, whoever loses this might be the worst team in the Big 12 right. or you know 13th if you want to put Houston in that last spot. Mm-hmm. And now you know behind OU in Texas, you have you know I I did my tears column this morning. I've got OSU and Iowa State in that second tier. Yep. Both, both is you know, uh, competing for spots and still alive in the Big Twelve championship race, which is just crazy. It really um, is. That, that one of those teams could be in Arlington. Iowa State actually controls their own destiny. Um, OSU doesn't, but but still, even to be at this point in conference play, where you know they're you know one of the top four or five teams in the Big Twelve, is just remarkable. It it really is crazy. You know, I, I vote in a Big Twelve power poll. Or that includes one beat writer covering each team around the conference. We all we all vote uh, each week, and Oklahoma State fell to number thirteen in the in the poll. They had Houston below them, and that was uh, what three weeks ago. And I, I this this week's has has not been compiled yet. I've turned in my vote, mm-hmm. and I had Oklahoma State third in mine. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you can make a, an argument for a couple other teams. Iowa State obviously has the head-to-head win mm-hmm. over over Oklahoma State. Um, you know, uh, Kansas State, even though they've lost to Oklahoma State, you can still make an argument because they do mm-hmm. have a really solid uh, resume at this point. Uh, but, I, but like I said, I got Oklahoma State third in that in that poll, and we'll see uh, as it comes out. Uh, it'll be published on Wednesday where where they fall. They could they could have jumped ten spots in a fourteen team poll <laughs> over, in a over short the span of, of, time. of three weeks. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely make the argument. Um, that they're third. I, I wouldn't push back against that whatsoever, especially looking at the quality of the wins, like beating Kansas, Kansas State, and yeah. on the road at West Virginia. All three of those teams are top half Big 12 teams. Yeah. And, like, you know, no matter how bad the conference might seem, you're, you're still at least, you know, beating some of the best teams in the in the conference. So, uh, and this one this weekend is, is, is certainly winnable as well. So, yeah, they're, they're rolling, and I feel like, you know, we still have half the season to play, and it's already been a roller coaster. It absolutely <laughs> has. It, it really has. It, it felt like it was heading for the worst season we've seen, and now mm-hmm. it already feels like the most impressive turnaround. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked multiple times about uh, this on the show, but the, the difference in this offensive line now mm-hmm. compared to what they were against South Alabama, and, and you alluded to some of the stuff they've taken out of the playbook, simplified some things, kind of streamlined it, and focused on what the, the, the offensive line is good at. The thing that, that, that fascinates me, though, is how creative they've been able to be with the skill players behind this simplified package for the offensive line. I think that's huge, uh, you know, whether it's the things they're doing to get Ollie down, downhill faster, the things they're doing with Brennan Presley mm-hmm. in, in pre-snap motion or what he's doing after the play. Um, you know, we saw them 
uh, break out a couple of different plays where they actually use Ollie as a decoy. One, he he goes, he moves out in motion to mm -hmm. the right. He gets lined up behind two tight ends, way wide out to the right, yeah. at a, a, a you know a goal line situation from the five, and it looks very clear that they're just going to try to throw him the ball and, mm -hmm. and get him behind a couple of blockers and, and see if he can power his way into the end zone. Yeah. Instead, they go the other direction. Jaden Bray scores a five-yard touchdown. Brennan Presley had a similar thing where he motions into the backfield opposite of Ollie. They run Ollie to the left, end up throwing back to the right where Brennan makes the guy miss, spins out of another mm -hmm. tackle, goes and scores a touchdown. So the uh, the creativity that they're using with all of these guys has, has been really impressive. And it's something that obviously there's a limit to to your creativity. Yeah. And they, they, they've got to keep this going. That's going to be the important part to you can't get stagnant now with what you're doing offensively, and that's, I think, the big yeah. test for, for Casey Dunn and, and his side of the ball. But what they've done so far these last three weeks, Joe, I, I think is, is, has been incredibly impressive. Yeah, and even more so and even you know important moving forward is, is they lose some depth at wide receiver mm -hmm. as well to you know, get Presley in, in open space and creative situations. Um, he, he's so dynamic there. and. You know, we've we've already seen. You know, if you go back two weeks ago to that uh, Kansas game, Ollie Gordon is a pass catcher. So right. you know, uh, that that's kind of gone off and on depending on how well he's run the ball. But he can also catch it out of the backfield and, and make plays there. So um, it might not be the most talented offensive team, but they they have really figured out kind of what they're working with and maximizing what they have. Yeah, you know, uh, this, this fly is driving me nuts. We're going to get, a, get, to get we're, a fly We're, we're fighting here. through it. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you, you were at, at the Kansas game in person. You saw them get hit with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that game they gave up. They had five plays that went for over 30 yards. All five go for touchdowns. They had uh, similar type of results um, on, uh, on Saturday at West Virginia. With a, with a couple of long touchdowns that they gave up, another long one mm -hmm. uh, that set up a uh, set up a touchdown. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that that a lot of this feels like kind of the learning curve mm -hmm. of this new defense, and um, you know, young guys seeing things for the first time and not not being as quick as as quick to react as they possibly mm -hmm. could. It just feels like a lot of their defensive issues are fixable. It's kind of where I'm going with this, Joe. Yeah, I, I still think the the strength of this team could be with their with their defense. Yeah. I, I mean, um, there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. We we've seen it. We've seen them play really well. Um, Gundy talked a little bit today about you know at times doing things to um, sort of protect themselves on the back end. Right. Um, but with the pass rush that that they can get. Uh, you know that's that's really the most important part of like modern defenses is getting to the quarterback they've been able to do that um so i i'm not too worried it, it's kind of strange that we're even like kind of having this conversation it's like you're you know you you can argue you're more worried about the defense than the offense right and it's like it sure didn't seem that way a couple weeks ago exactly it felt like this was going to have to be a team yeah that defended well and gave the offense a chance and 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 now it's uh looks more like a team that's prepared to go into a shootout mm -hmm. and uh and hope that the defense can get enough stops for them to win yeah uh, which was obviously the case on uh, on saturday um you know nick martin's um emergence in this defense i think has been 
one fascinating story that we haven't, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we talk a little bit about him on the on this show, but the guy now has had two 17 tackle performances this season. This is his first year as a starter. Mm -hmm. He's up to 71 tackles already for the season. There's only 19 guys in the country averaging at least 10 tackles a game, and he's one of them. Um, this is, is just a really impressive, uh, uh, just, uh, just, it's just been a lot of fun to watch him yeah. emerge in this defense. And um, I know you got, you've got to see him a couple of times mm -hmm. now in person, but um, that linebacker group, when you add Colin Oliver on one side, Xavier Benson, another guy that's, that's playing well and not getting a lot of pub on the, uh, on the other outside spot. But uh, they, just, they just have a lot of dynamic athletes in that group. And I think that's going to be one of the keys to, to pulling this defense along and, and getting them where they need to be, Joe. Yeah, you know, obviously Danny Stutzman at Oklahoma gets a ton of attention, right. but Nick Martin deserves a lot of attention for what he's done at OSU, both guys putting up huge tackle numbers right. and kind of doing it under the radar, like, you know, you wrote about after the game. It's like, unless you look at the stat sheet afterward, you kind of have to remind yourself, man, this guy had a bunch of tackles tonight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really good player, and he's he's been kind of one of you know my biggest surprises. Not as familiar with this team going into the season, just really enjoying watching him play. Yeah, and one other key to this defense that's been really impressive. Now, now the three previous years, the last two years with Jim Knowles, and then last season with Derek Mason, this team was really good on third down. Mm -hmm. They haven't been as good on third down this year, but they've turned out to be really good on fourth down. They had two more big stops, uh, one of them in a, in a real crucial situation near midfield. Kendall Daniels comes up and makes a play after Trey Rucker kind of disrupted the play. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as football continues to go more and more toward being willing to go for it on fourth yeah. down, that's going to be, I think, something if they can, if they can build on that and, and make themselves a really impactful fourth down defense. That's gonna. Th those are those are as good as, as takeaways, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they they essentially are are takeaways when you have a turnover on downs. And I, I remember after that Arizona State game earlier this year, Mike Gundy said that they practice fourth down defense more, you know, going into the season than any season in his previous tenure um, at Oklahoma State. And a lot of that is, um, you know, analytics would tell you that you know teams should be going for it more often than they are on right. fourth down. And a, a lot of teams are are kind of using that as an extra down rather than just putting it away, giving it back um, to, to the other team. So, you know, they've, they've practiced it and, and it's really come through. I mean, just all, all different fourth down situations. Nardo's talked about that, that quite a bit. Um, and those are like, the, they almost have the same like emotional turn as a turnover as well because it just gets everyone fired up like right. the defense kind of like takes offense to it like they're gonna go on uh, go for it on fourth down against us like everyone gets fired up um you know at home the crowd can obviously get behind them so yeah that's been that's been impressive because you know look at any college football game across the country um some coaches are kind of getting uh criticized for going for it too much on fourth right. down, but I don't think it's going to stop. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I think it's, uh, it's only going to yeah. continue to be more impactful. Um, you mentioned crowd. Mike Gundy talked a little bit about the, about the crowd today and mm -hmm. the consistency that they've been coming with this year. 
you know, they've sold out the entire season now at this point. They sold out their season tickets before the season started, which as far as any, uh, any OSU researcher can tell, is the first time it's ever happened. And now you've got homecoming, which uh, have you ever been around for an Oklahoma State homecoming? I have not, but I'm looking forward to it. It is, uh, <laughs> it is a fascinating thing. Uh, you know, America's greatest homecoming. Uh, it's a really big deal uh, here in Stillwater. And, uh, and with a 7 p.m. game, yeah, that's uh, it's a full day of, of celebration, possibly even here at Stone Cloud. <laughs> I don't know what everybody has has planned after yeah. the parade, but a lot of fun things to do in Stillwater between the parade and the game. And I feel like we're going to see the Boone Pickens Stadium crowd at, at peak level this week. What exactly has gone into the you know increase in ticket sales and everything and selling out every game has it just been like the athletic department and marketing doing a really good job or there's a, there's a lot of that um the the part that's the hardest to explain is that they were coming off a really disappointing right. second half of last season you would think that it would go in the other direction exactly it seemed like that would be that would be the case um but uh, this fan base has reacted really strongly to what's coming mm -hmm. i do i do think spring helped they uh, they were able to sort of mm -hmm. um you know explain to uh, to to the fans and and display to the fans that there was a different attitude around this team because of all the new players that had come in yeah. they had uh, they had really worked quickly to put the way last year ended behind them and i think that there was a, an attitude of excitement that uh, that was it was hard to predict in mm -hmm. in december at the end of December, after that bowl game, you didn't feel like this was a program that was going to be able to write itself mm -hmm. very quickly. And by by March, it was a very different aura around the team. So yeah, uh, especially think, for sticking sticking with the team through right. some rougher weeks at the beginning of the season, yeah. and um, kind of the fans have stuck with the team with the turnaround, and that probably has people more excited than ever. So it really is impressive because um, not. Not every uh, school, even Power Five schools, like that, where they're seeing an increased numbers in attendance. Usually, it's going in in the opposite direction. So, yeah, I, I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely has been, and uh, a real, real tribute to the fan base mm -hmm. for uh, for for sticking with this program at a uh, through a tough, tough year. Yeah. So, all right, with that, I'll. Uh, was there anything else about about Mike Gundy today that um, that you found found interesting or, or wanted to uh, to throw out there? Um, does he ever bring his dogs around anymore to the press conference? Every now and then. Okay. Every now and then. He, he referenced his dogs, though. He mm -hmm. said that, you know, uh, talk about kind of the accolades of Fed Coach, but he comes home, his wife's asleep, and the only one that cares about him is his dog. So yeah. uh, we at least got a reference to Mike Gundy's dog. So yes. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he, they will. Uh, they will show up from time to time. Yeah. Um, they haven't broken in and tried to steal anybody's sandwiches lately. Yeah. Uh, on their uh, their recent appearances, so we appreciate that. But um, but yeah, always always fun to have them mm -hmm. around when they uh, when they can can show up. So, all right, with that, I think it's time for the Stone Cloud Six Pack, Joe. Let's do it. Your first ever Stone Cloud Six Pack, and yeah, uh, since it's your first one, taking it a little bit easy. I, I don't normally tell. Jacob, the categories. Okay, but I went ahead and told you, you what, what we're going to pick today, so you had at least a little bit to, of time. I might to have already forgotten one or two. But right, all right. right. I'll, I'll, we'll see. It's understandable. <laughs> there are times that I've actually told Jacob the categories, and he still forgets what they are, and, and as has yeah. done no preparation at all. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so we're going to start with the, uh, the the man of the hour, Ollie Gordon. I know this number sound probably sounds low, and and maybe it's too low, but 
The, uh, the over-under on Ollie Gordon rushing yards this week, 116.5. There's a couple of reasons I went with that number. Number one, that's what he's actually averaging for the okay. season. Uh, of course, that factors in the first three games mm -hmm. when he touched the ball, um, I don't know, maybe seven times. I forgot what the number is. It's more than seven, but yeah. not much more. Um, so, you know, he's averaging uh, over 170 the last four games. So factor that in as you, as you wish. But also Cincinnati's defensive line is, as Mike Gundy said, the best that they've played this year. Really talented up there. Uh, 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 the clear strength of this team, um, you know, Mike Gundy made the, uh, the reference, like you look at, the, you look at their record mm -hmm. and you go watch this defensive line on film and you just don't know how this team could be 0-4 in the conference. But yeah. they're going through some, some growing pains as they move into the Big 12. All of that to say, Joe, over or under 116.5 yards for Ollie Gordon on Saturday? I am hammering the over on right. this one. I'm, I'm going over. It is a really good defensive front that Cincinnati has. Uh, Corleone is a really talented player up front. For them, they call him the godfather. Um, and, you know, he, he's not the only one. Mike Gundy rattled off the numbers of their defensive right. linemen, yeah. uh, as he's prone to do. So, still, though, I, I think that, you know, Especially if if you're thinking an OSU win, um, you would think that number would have to be over um, yeah. for, for them to get that done. I mean, just with how much they've ridden him these last um, couple of weeks. So I will go. I will go over that number. All right, I am. I'm going over as well, um, which tells me I should have had the number a little bit higher. But yeah. anyway, you're not um, hammering it. Though, I'm not. Like I'm I not. Am. I'm not hammering it. Here's here's one thing, and I and I brought this up to my gunny today. At what point do they start to – he said he's not ready to pull him back yet, mm -hmm. but let's say you get up a couple of touchdowns early. Do you start mixing other guys in, give him a chance to rest some from, uh, uh, from you know, he went 21 carries, 29 carries, 29 mm -hmm. carries the last three weeks. Do you give him a chance to, to get a breather? You've got Bedlam ahead. Um, do you kind of protect him a little yeah, bit? Yeah, that's a good point. It, uh, I, could see it, I could see it happen, but if, uh, if this is a, a close ball game, They'll, they'll be willing to pump the ball to Ollie as much as they have to. Yeah, yeah. Game flow, I, I wasn't really thinking about that, but that's going to have a lot to do with it if they are able to build a pretty good-sized lead and they need to bleed some clock. They can do that with some other backs as well. So um, that, that could factor into it, especially with what is going on next week. But, you know, we've seen so many close games in this conference um, and with these two teams that, you know, I think they're going to still ride them pretty heavy. All right, kind of some context for our, for our next one. Uh, the uh, the, the over-under number is 3.5 combined total of sacks of Alan Bowman mm -hmm. and interception thrown by Alan Bowman or whoever the quarterback is. Mm -hmm. I assume it'll be Bowman all the way. Um, combined total of sacks and picks over or under 3.5, but following up on what we just talked about, why, why I've got this number a little bit higher than I probably would have, because they're, they're, they've given up two sacks the last four games, mm -hmm. and uh, I want to say there are three interceptions. I, I didn't look at that stat, so I apologize. But it's in that range. Mm -hmm. he, had, uh, he had one on Saturday. The thing that's interesting to me about this, though, with this defensive front, Bowman has been a little bit skittish in the pocket. Mm -hmm. he'll, uh, you know, he'll try to bail a little quick sometimes, or he'll uh, you know, be throwing off his back foot, kind, yep. of, kind of anticipating the pressure. Um, you know, we've seen him make a couple of poor decisions at, at, at times, not a ton, but a few. One was on Saturday that ended up in an interception. So 
so that's why I've got this number a little bit higher mm -hmm. because it feels like they could they could get to Bowman a little bit more and whether they're getting to him for sacks or just force him into some uh, some bad throws I feel like that uh, that could up this number so I'm over or under 3.5 sacks and picks for Oklahoma State I'm gonna go under but I I, I can see both sides of this one. It, mm. It's a really well-placed number okay, on, good. on, on your part. Um, you know, w one thing that Mike Gundy said today is that they've been able to, you know, take pressure off their offensive line and excel in pass, pass protection because of how well they've run the ball. Right. Um, so, you know, you don't want to sell out to get after the quarterback and leave open holes for Ollie Gordon to, to run through. So that that's really helped them out a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I'm with you. Al, Alan Bowman clearly, and for good reason, do, doesn't want to get hit back there. Um, but I think, I think in, on, this, on this bet, that, that helps because he's, he's really quick to throw away the ball. Yeah, he um, is. So he, he's going to get rid of it if he feels pressure. So I, I think this is going to be under, but it's a, it's a very well-placed number. All right. I'm, I'm going to go over. Okay. I, I do. If I if the number had been four and a half, I probably stay mm -hmm. under. But I think I think Cincinnati will do enough to get to him just a little bit, get him to that four of the combination of the two. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, like Bowman's, which Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, you didn't get a biological clock reference today, which no. is an, an old standby for, uh, for for Mike <laughs> Gundy. But his his internal clock for Bowman is is ticking a little bit faster than it needs to. Yeah, partially because listen. They gave up seven sacks, the Oklahoma State offensive line did, mm -hmm. in the first three games. And Bowen was under a lot of pressure in, yeah. in a lot of situations. So I think he, he's still a little bit gun-shy up there, and they, they need him to stand in just a little bit longer on some of these plays. But I think that yeah. uh, that he's going to feel that pressure coming around him. Well, yeah, and I'm not saying, like, this is on his mind, but you, mm -hmm. you just wrote the, the story about um, kind of the health issues he's gone through with the collapsed right. lung and, like, mm -hmm comes from you know some of the hard hits he's taken so yes. I, I would just have to think subconsciously that's on your mind a little bit I'm, yep. I don't want to project too much here but I think that goes goes into it I mean he's not the most fleet of foot anyway but right. at the same time you know heck all quarterbacks are trying to avoid getting hit though yeah absolutely all right number three in the uh, the stone cloud six-pack go back to Nick Martin who we talked mm -hmm. about just a little bit ago he is averaging 10.5 tackles. He's actually averaging, like, I think, 10.1 tackles per game. Uh, but 10.5 is the number that I came up with. Uh, so over or under 10.5 tackles for Nick Martin on Saturday? I'll go under. Um, you know, I've been so positive through these first two <laughs> that I feel right. like I have to balance myself out a sense. little bit. I don't have a great reason for it. Um, so wouldn't it surprise me if I'm wrong, but I'll, I'll go the slight under with uh, ten and a half. you said, right? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. So you can still get in double digits. Yeah. Just keep in mind. I'll say he gets ten. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to go ahead and go over. I, I think it's been really impressive what, uh, what he's doing at yeah. this point in the season. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see him racking up tackles because of his sideline to sideline speed, mm -hmm. his ability to go, to go make plays doing, uh, doing things with that. So, all right, with that, this is the point in the show, Joe, where we lose the the stick to sports crowd. Yeah, I'm uh, because, ready for it. Uh, but uh, but because this was your first uh, experience at at a, at a Mike Gundy Mike Gundy Monday presser. Yeah, I thought we would uh, we would draft something along those lines, and the draft will be 
our favorite Mike's. Mike's or Michael's. Or Michael's. Michael's also acceptable. <laughs> I will accept Michael. <laughs> Michael's don't count for uh, less credit here. No, 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 no. Uh, it's, it's Michael Ray Gundy, that's his name. So Michael is acceptable. And, uh, and as, uh, as I've established on the show, I'm an incredibly nice guy. So with that, I will let you have the first pick here in the draft. Well, uh, with, with all due respect to Mike Gundy, he's not going to be my first pick here. I am going to go. I'm a basketball guy. I'm right. going to take an easy right. one. Uh, the slam dunk here and go with Michael Jordan. Oh, um, nice. So I, I uh, yeah, MJ. It's hard to go wrong with him, right? Right. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm a LeBron over Jordan guy, I think that's more generational. Really? But Okay. Uh, but I'll still pick MJ here. All right. And just just because I'm curious now, yeah. What what is what is the crux of your of your LeBron argument over uh, over MJ? I, I think it simply comes down to growing up and still watching LeBron's mm-hmm. career and and not really getting that firsthand experience just on the tail end of Jordan, like the Wizards years. But um, right, right. You know, not not to show my age, but the last dance really opened my eyes, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it is Jordan, but still, <laughs> even after the last dance, I'm going LeBron here. Right, right. You know, it's 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 funny because I've always contended that there would be a a bigger debate about this if if Wilt Chamberlain and and Michael Jordan's career had been a little closer together. Yeah where like dads and their kids had had come up similarly yeah the way that that people with mj and lebron came up so yeah it, it's hard to compare i mean yeah when when they're not playing against each other but um i i really don't like that debate to be honest i, I mean they're, they're both they're both great um right and two of the best to, to ever do it but anyway this isn't the lebron draft it's that's the right. michael draft. that's right the mike the mics <laughs> uh and uh and so with that with uh, with my first pick i'm going a little bit um kind of outside the box yeah. here and there's a there's a reason for it that i'll that i'll get into uh but i'm going with mike tyson mm. um no, I, I could probably name a lot of mics that i i i like better yeah um but he's one that I'm incredible. I've always been incredibly fasc- fascinated with, um, going all the way back to you know just watching him emerge as I was I was a kid. Like back then, like boxing was on like regular TV. It was, mm-hmm. like, it was like HBO or Showtime yeah. or whatever. But we we had that at at that time, and I got to, I got to watch him him fight on TV. And then Mike Tyson's Punch Out came out on Nintendo, yeah. and it was it was one of the greatest video games <laughs> ever made. And uh, and then obviously everything else that that went on and. Uh, you know, uh, both good and bad in his life was was beyond fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the reason I, that he was particularly on my mind for this draft uh, was that um, on the uh, on the flight to Pittsburgh for the West Virginia game, I watched uh, Big George Foreman, the George Foreman okay. movie, and Mike Tyson does not appear in it. Evander Holyfield does. Uh, Mike Tyson not in it. Uh, but I had boxing on my mind, and so when I when I started thinking about Mike's, he was one of the first ones that came to my mind. Um, my brother and I still uh, go back and have conversations about how to beat all the different yeah. boxers in, in Punch <laughs> Out, uh, you know, King Hippo and the Great Tiger and uh, all of those guys. So um, that's why that's been on my mind a lot lately. And so he is, for that reason, my first pick in the draft, Joe. That's a good one. All right. That's a good one. Number two to you. Are, are you a uh, Breaking oh. Bad or Better Call Saul guy? Uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as to call myself a, 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 a guy. Okay. Uh, I'm aware of the shows. Okay. I've, I've watched multiple episodes of both. Okay. I haven't watched all like all the way through. 
Well, for anyone who is, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Breaking Bad fan. Mike Ehrmantraut, you know, not a main character, but, mm-hmm. but still plays a pivotal role in both of those series. Right. Uh, I think he is one of the most likable, despite his flaws, <laughs> character on the show. And I thought, since I went so mainstream with my first pick, mm-hmm. I had to go a little more, a little more niche with my second pick. All right. Very good. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. That's fun. We, yeah. we, t- we talk a lot of TV on this show. Fictional mics are allowed. I'm oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. Definitely. Uh, definitely right there. Um, all right. With that, I'm going go to go uh, to, to my second pick. I'm, I'm going to the music side of things. Okay. I'm going with Michael Jackson. Another one that, like Mike Tyson, had some, uh, some, uh, some questionable behavior right. in, his, in his life. We're just uh, focusing on the artist. Exactly, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. When I uh, when I think about um, you know impactful people from from my youth mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of the pop culture world, he I mean he was the king of pop. Mm-hmm. But uh, just uh, I remember when he performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, you know, these there, there were like all of these things. Uh, I remember how terrified I was the first time I saw the Thriller video, mm-hmm. um, and can still kind of channel that back every now and then when I when I see anybody. It doesn't even have to be the actual video; just anybody doing yeah, this, yeah. this, this you dance. Know exactly like, what it oh, is. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, uh, <laughs> it triggers me a little bit. Um, so um, you know, growing up watching uh, you know his whole career develop. Well, not his whole career because I don't really remember the young like uh-huh. the Jackson Five days or any of that. I'm not that old. Yeah. Um, even though I did just have a birthday. Um, you did just have a birthday. Did, Happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I went up to, uh, when I was working in Kentucky, went up to Gary, Indiana for a mm-hmm. story, and that's where uh, the Jackson family is from, ah. and there was a big mural there and everything, so it, it was pretty cool kind of history lesson there. So Very nice. Yeah. All right, with that, it's time for your third and final selection, Joe. My third and final selection, I am... Uh, I'm going to the pool, and I'm selecting Michael Phelps. Ooh, that's a good with, one. With my last, uh, with my last pick, just one of the most exciting Olympians of my lifetime. Certainly, watching right. him rack up all those gold medals, and uh, even the the team medals with the relay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'll go with Michael Phelps. All right, nothing uh, nothing wrong with that <laughs> at all. Um, all right, with my final pick, I, I realize what this says about me that I'm picking another guy who has had some questionable be- uh-huh. <laughs> questionable behavior in his uh, in his life uh, but it all this all ties back to Seinfeld which is my favorite TV show which is well established here on the pod uh-huh. I'm going with Michael Richards who of course plays Kramer yep. uh, on uh, on Seinfeld um, you know I uh, I've, I've watched some of the stuff of like early things that he did in his career a hilarious character actor and and uh, you know uh, physical comedian yeah and obviously the things that he did really made that show I've, I've established that George I think is the uh, the, the linchpin of the show mm-hmm. and you can argue that Elaine is, is sort of that way as well if you can have two linchpins I don't know if that's like allowed I think or you not. can okay yeah. um, this is your podcast that's right that's <laughs> exactly right it is um, and and so in, in order of importance Kramer probably comes in fourth yeah but uh, really um, I don't I don't think the show is what it is without without him so I like our list. We it's a very eclectic list. It really is. Yeah, we've got athletes. We've got some uh, characters mm-hmm. of all sorts. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was fun. That was 
Good stuff. All right, well with that, we will remind you, if you're watching on YouTube, to go drop your score prediction in the comments so that you can win a beer that we'll drink for you next week. And uh, go subscribe to the Oklahoma State Cowboys newsletter on oklahoman.com and uh, stick with us. We will have our regular post-game podcast back this week. And also we'll be back here at Stone Cloud next Monday to preview Bedlam. So uh, thank you for listening and watching to the Cowboy Podcast.